Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Outspoken with White and Jordan 100% engagement It's a total disrespect Download, stand well back, listen Jim White and Simon Jordan I don't see that view Outspoken with White and Jordan From the world's biggest sports radio station Talk Sport Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface, and today myself and Simon Jordan spoke about Romelu Lukaku leaving Chelsea for Roma on a season-long loan, two years on from his £100 million signing. Where did it all go wrong? The latest on Luis Rubiales is he slowly becoming more and more isolated in the Kiss Saga story, which has engulfed Spanish football. And heavyweight boxer Daniel Dubois and his trainer Don Charles joined us in the studio as the fallout continues after Alexander Usyk retained his heavyweight titles at the weekend. Plus, promoter Frank Warren gives us the latest on the appeal to overturn the result. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. So we told you yesterday uh, that Romelu Lukaku was on the verge of a move to Roma. That is happening. He's on his way to Italy today. Two years on and £100 million later. Is it a failure at Stamford Bridge? I think it can only be sort of perceived in those circumstances now, Simon. And who should shoulder the majority of the blame? Chelsea or the player? Um, I think it's a failing on all parts, isn't it? Because ultimately the breakdown... Um, was Lukaku talking out of school to an Italian journalist about the manner in which he was being played. So that would tell that there must have been some communication breakdown when the player was brought into Chelsea with his expectations about what was said to him at the time and subsequently what manifested itself. Um, and then you've got the situation where you've got the player you know, uh, refusing to accept his lot and work his way around and get himself in a position with the manager prior to that interview. Now, obviously, some of it was also about not being played when he was coming back from being fit and so on and so forth. So I think it's a breakdown on both parts. I think, ultimately, the player stepped out of line and didn't have the right to say the things that he said. I think it was turned into a far bigger drama than it needed to have been. Um, but... Lukaku now is in a situation where clearly two, he straddles two ownership models. 
So there's different personnel in the building, mm. from manager to owner, and neither has been able to find an accord. He couldn't find an accord with Tuchel. I don't suppose there was that much investment from Abramovich, but there surely would have been from Marina and Bruce Buck and whoever else was there to try and right the situation. You've now got a new ownership model in Todd Bowley and a new set of managers, and still they've not been able to find an accord with the player. So that situation seems to be beyond rectification. Does that, does that suggest that maybe the player himself has had enough of being there? Um, being tied to the football club. Well, doesn't look, feel supported by him. Well, I don't know why he wouldn't feel supported because he is the architect of his own downfall. Now, none of us are privy to the conversations that he had with Tuchel when he when he joined the club for 97 million quid. I'm not entirely sure what contract he signed, whether it's a three or four year contract. But if it's a four year contract, then Chelsea are going to be loath to, to sell him for anything less than 50 million quid because ultimately that's going to put them in a position where they're going to lose money. Um, there's no way they would be letting him go out and loan without the other side. Some of it was made, and I was reading the brief that oh, that Chelsea wanted him to want. Milan, or, or sorry, Roma, to pick up his wages. Well, of course they bloody do. They're getting they're getting a player on loan they've paid no money for. Mm. So with due respect, of course the very least they expect Roma to do is pick up his salary. Mm. Well, so he's agreed to take a pay cut because Roma can only afford to pay a certain proportion of that, and Chelsea aren't going to supplement it. Well, I don't see how Chelsea can't. Well, no, they've renegotiated the contract, and well, which okay. he will if come che- back if next che- year. If, if Chelsea have done that, then they've done it for their own reasons and ultimately to reduce some of the cost implications. Because technically speaking, Chelsea have a contract, and whoever takes him on loan. Has to it compare a certain proportion to rules it, and Chelsea are contractually obliged to take another. But so there has, there has to be indicate. some cooperation between the two parties, isn't there? Because Lukaku could have sat there and simply said, "You have a contract with me. I'm on two hundred thousand pounds a week. I couldn't care less if Roma pay you ten thousand pound a week. You've got to pick up the other hundred ninety. So Chelsea and uh, Lukaku have found some accord. Exactly. So there is some dialogue that's sensible, and clearly the the, the the desire is to sell him. Now, the reasons why they're not selling him is because nobody probably wants to meet the expectation of what Chelsea want economically. Mm. He's even signed a contract so that if he comes back next summer, then he will take a reduction in wages as well, which shows, I think, that he wants to get out and play football on a regular basis, yeah. and he's desperate not to do it at Chelsea. But it, again, it also shows the reality of where his position is, because if Chelsea want to try and to command a transfer fee, and they've also got him on wages that are a deterrent, it's a double-edged sword for people. They want Chelsea want top money, perceived top money to be able to, because Chelsea can't be selling players it suits Chelsea to have him on their balance sheet right now because mm. if they start selling him at 40 million quid to get him out the door, they're going to book losses and Chelsea as we know right now despite the protestations of even me looking at their financial fair play obligations that I think they'll be able to overcome this season but struggle next they need to be selling players for gains, not for losses not mm. just salary reductions but also for transfer fee gains and if they sell him for less than 50 million quid now they're going to be in a loss situation so in a year's time Chelsea will have him on their balance sheet at 25 million quid all of a sudden they're selling for 50 million quid because he's had a decent season at Roma they've made 25 million quid contribution towards their financial fair play travails 87 goals in 166 games at Everton 42 goals in 96 for Manchester United 64 in 95 for Inter Milan um, at Chelsea he, he, he's 15 goals in 44 appearance, appearances in his second spell. He's an absolute goal scorer when it comes to international football. With Belgium, it's 75 goals in 108 caps. Why is top-level football decided that it doesn't need Romelu Lukaku? Well, not all top-level football decided that. I mean, ultimately, his achievements at Italy have been were, were significant, weren't they? Um, but playing at Roma is not top top elite level football, is it? Well, no, no. It's 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 close to it. You're playing for arguably one of the most renowned managers in the world. Ironically, I thought you'd fallen out with when he didn't really want to play in the <laughs> FA Cup final. So that circle is one I can't entirely square. It's the third but, time that they've But, really you know, there, there must be enough of a situation there. I would wonder if um, Mourinho would be signing him if uh, Tammy Abraham were fit and, of course, 
if uh, there was a transfer fee attached to it. This is a slightly economic deal that Roma can afford, and maybe everyone sucked their cheeks in and gone, this works for everybody. Um, he's clearly a good player. He's clearly an intelligent man. I've seen him being interviewed. He's a polyglot, speaks five, six different languages, a very capable and talented young man. But there seems to be, like with a lot of footballers, a desire to have things your own way, only your own way. And if it isn't your own way, then there's a problem with you getting, 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 getting your head around it. He didn't seem to have that problem in Milan. He does seem to have that problem in Man United. He was very good at Everton. There's no doubt he's a top-quality footballer. There's, there's no doubt what the, the, the challenge seems to be in fitting in to meeting his expectations the world's most dangerous download outspoken with white and jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport let's uh, let's talk about what's happening in spanish football because the fallout to the luis rubiales uh, situation continues is he slowly becoming more and more isolated uh, day by day uh, there was an emergency meeting yesterday the regional heads of the spanish football federation called for rubiales immediate resignation after the unacceptable behavior that has seriously damaged the image of football that's a quote from them and entering a meeting paco diez who's madrid's federation president said that things have to change Radically, let's speak to Semra Hunter, who presents on La Liga TV, also presents La Liga for ITV as well, and she joins us now. Hi, Semra. Hi, Sam. Thanks very much for coming on the programme again. Um, and every day there is another twist in the tale. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, where do I even begin? So much has happened in the last 24 hours. You have the Federation who have unanimously asked that he step down. You have his mother who's locked herself in a church going on a hunger strike. Um, you have FIFA obviously suspending him for 90 day provisionally that happened back on Saturday. You have two court cases that have been opened, one in the administrative courts to determine whether they are going to suspend him or ban him. Then you have now criminal proceedings being opened as well because there have been official complaints that were filed to the prosecutor's office in Madrid that were then put forward to the national court, which is the top court whenever it comes to criminal cases. They're looking at this as a possible act of sexual aggression. Now you have the uh, UN speaking out about this as well, saying that they really hope that the Spanish authorities will look into this and treat this with uh, the women's uh, rights as they so deserve. And it's just going on and on and on. There seems to be all kinds of things happening. It's, it's a rapidly developing story. But I think what everybody wants to find out is what Rubiales himself is thinking. What is happening right now? What is his reaction going to be to all of this? Because I think I have to reiterate that the Federation at this stage cannot actually push him out because they have put everything into, they have passed along those um, those complaints to the administrative courts. It's now in their hands. They are the only organization uh, that can actually make that kind of decision as to remove him. Or, of course, the ball's in his court. He could listen and decide to step down. So that's kind of where we're at in a nutshell right now. <laughs> so, so obviously, the reports at the weekend that there was an interim president in Pedro Rocha. Is that not the case? Is he still in charge? Pedro Rocha is indeed acting as the president right now of the Federation. But a lot of people are upset in Spain because he is very much Rubiales' man. They are very much like-minded. They think the same way. He was one of those who was applauding him along uh, in, the, in the crowds at the assembly on Friday. So people say, well, this is not really a significant change. Nothing is really going to change unless you really gut the whole thing and start anew. So people are still demanding that um, the national team coaches, including Jorge Velda, it was the women's team coach, and then the men's team coach as well, Luis de la Fuente, People are demanding that they be removed from their jobs, as well as, I say, a whole structural 
um, basically reconfiguration by removing all of those people from the federation and having a, a brand new organization set up from within. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of kind of where we're at in terms of Pedro Rocha being the interim president and the acting president as it stands. But technically, I guess they have too, because Rubiales hasn't actually stood down as of yet. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that this is a man in power who has been seen as a man who has abused his power, that this is about the power dynamics between a boss and his subordinate, in this case, a female. But that's what people want employee. to make it, but that's some of, that's what no, people, but it's, people but want it to make the it that way. reality of it. Well, it, well, it's not. It's, it's, not, it's, no, more, it's it. no more reality than Jurgen Klopp yesterday in the, on, on Sunday in the dugout hugging every single one of his players, but the female player, the fe- sorry, every single one of his coaches, but the female co- uh, tra- um, female support staff, he picked up. Some people, if they want to make that about But a power it's not dynamic. the same thing lifting a woman off her feet as it is kissing her on the lips. And I think what people are trying to say here is that the dirty truth of who this man is has finally been revealed. It's been exposed. This behaviour has been going on for a very long time. This is not a one-off incident and that's why people are so upset they say this is just the final straw this is exactly what everyone has been talking about in terms of sexualized uh, sorry sexism being normalized within spanish society and men getting away with it time and time again and in this case trying to hide obviously you you rightly say that these are just allegations at this point in time but him trying to hide behind the euphoria of the moment oh i got so caught up in it and it just this is how i express myself well i'm sorry but that is a bit of a cheap excuse he knows what he's doing he knows his his position and and the responsibility you can't can't say he knows what he's doing because you can't you can't go to a man's intent right i'm not suggesting i mean in the sense that he knows the responsibility that and you're absolutely right as the president of the federation that's what i'm trying to say yeah and you're absolutely right and i agree with that to put himself in a way i don't know about the rest of the background noise and that will come to the surface and if it is indeed the straw that broke the camel's back if this is indeed his modus operandi then he reaps precisely what he's sown but yes. but the the bottom line is is at this moment in time what we're talking about is an allegation of on his part over exuberance i think he's stupid i think anybody that puts himself in a situation knowing the background noise knowing the circumstances that have gone on for the last 12 months knowing the issues that have cut that brought the spanish team to a point where half the players didn't want to play this time last year i don't know why anybody in the rest mind would would want to kiss a woman on the mouth after winning a world cup final and make it about that i don't know why they'd want to do it but he's done it and i think for that he reaps the whirlwind the rest of the allegations the rest of the stuff well they will find their level and that none of us know the facts that we know i think is that his behavior was inappropriate i think one of the reasons Samra, and correct me if i'm wrong here that we've had such a big backlash to this not only is because it is tarnishing what was a magnificent moment for the spanish team and all the discussion has been about what he's done rather than what they right. have achieved but also because those of us who have been covering the women's world cup and women's football for a number of years now understand that this is a story that has been bubbling under the surface for quite some time and actually now it's come into a wider public consciousness enough is being made of it to shine a light on what has gone before Exactly. I mean, people are ashamed. I mean, there were people who have been reporting on this man for many, many years of all of his his scandals, his controversies, the official police reports that were put forward against him by men and women. Um, and of course, the, the, the reports that were put forward to the corresponding authorities and courts in order to investigate him. There have been a litany of scandals throughout the years and so many people who have worked with him, who have been close with him, who again work in the media, have been saying repeatedly this man should have been removed from office a long time ago. 
And actually, he never should have been in the office uh, to begin with, based on all of these very serious allegations and accusations that have piled up against him throughout the years. And so many people are lamenting the fact that all of this could have been avoided to begin with if he wasn't actually the president of the Federation. If people listened at the time, if they did the due diligence at the time and tried to recognize that this was not a man that should be anywhere near a position of power. And so there are two things happening in parallel. There is on the one track, him, himself, his history, his past, etc., and the way that he has treated women in the past. And there are very serious allegations and police reports of a woman, for example, saying that physically assaulted by him. Then there's another woman who came forward, Tamara Ramos, speaking to the media, saying how she was really humiliated on a regular basis in front of male uh, national team members. And he would say comments like, I wonder what color your underwear is today. Uh, you only came here to get down on your knees. I mean, stuff like that. And in parallel, there is another track here where it has to do with the Federation itself. And this is what the women have been saying for a very long time, is that this is a systemic issue. That is, is a top-down issue that they have been constantly on a daily basis dealing with a system of misogyny, of, uh, of sexist abuse, of control, of manipulation, of ridicule, of humiliation, of being uh, in a space where they don't feel safe. And it is a work environment and they never felt that they felt safe enough to go sometimes. And so they have been voicing this for many, many, many years. So much so that in 2015, there was an instance where they wrote a letter, the whole team asking for the coach at the time to be removed. And it became a mediatic thing and he did eventually step down. But again, you're just getting rid of one element of a wider problem here. And that's why people are so upset because they just say that this is a reflection of wider society. And I think a lot of us talk about this just kind of in general around the world, that football often is a microcosm of bigger issues across society. Uh, and that's why I think people said they've, they've had enough of this kind of treatment, that they've had enough of not being believed. They've had enough of being ridiculed or ashamed whenever they step forward and say, I am a victim of violence or, or, or sorry, I'm a victim of sexual violence or sexual abuse. And this one is so plain to see in front of everyone's eyes what happened, obviously, again, they do have the two respective sides of the story and it is going to be investigated and an outcome will be determined in the courts. But still, there are so many people who are looking at this as an act of sexual aggression. And again, that is directly linked to a law that is called only yes is yes, which is specifically around consent. And in the absence of it, according to the letter of the law, it is considered a crime. It is considered an act of sexual aggression. And that is what currently is being investigated in the criminal court. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. It's Talk Sports on a Tuesday afternoon. And alongside me, Sam Adderface and Simon Jordan, Spencer Oliver is here. He's too busy at this moment in time uh, switching chairs, playing musical chairs. You all right? I'm shuffling around, my friend. Yeah, yes, I'm good. all good. I'm it's all, all good. about footwork, isn't it? Absolutely, boxing. absolutely. And you, Did make... you see me box, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. a bit light on my feet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very balletic. Unlike like... Mr. Jordan, but it's another conversation. Yeah, Simon, how are you? He's I'm from... well, Spencer. All the better for seeing you. Alive, <laughs> <laughs> game. But nice to see Daniel and, Dan, and uh, Don. This is more, uh, I'm more interested in. Don, yeah. thank you very much for coming in. We appreciate you bringing Daniel with you as well. Daniel, yeah. good morning to you. Hope you're okay. Um, how are you feeling? Um, what is it now? 72 hours on after what arguably was one of the biggest and probably uh, most surreal experiences of your life. Yeah. Well, um, first off, um, I'm gutted about the, the the way it turned out. You know, I feel like. I had two fights that night. The first one I won and the second one, well, you guys know what happened. You know, I've, you know, mm. I feel like I was robbed of the opportunity there. You know, that shot was definitely not low and, um, you know, we're here to prove it and here to, you know, make a case for that. How do you prove it? Um, you know, you can see, you know, everyone can see, it's, you know, the whole world saw it. You know, I, you know, he didn't grab his balls when I hit, after I hit him. He just went straight down and he was, he was crippled by the body shot on the floor. And the referee should have counted, but in my mind, the referee was was already counting. That I, you know, I was going waiting for it one, two, three, but he didn't. And I, I feel like I lost momentum. I lost. Um, uh, I became disheartened a little bit because if what you're doing to practicing for like twelve weeks for that shot, you know, we were practicing the body shots and we pulled it off. Don, the controversy around this year, all is whether the waistband shot was ruled as a low blow. Or, or legal or legal blow. Um, where was you at? You had the rules meeting before that. Where was you at? What the referee said when he comes in there. If he says, right, waistband is okay, or did he say it was it wasn't okay? Well, there is a. Uh, it was recorded. Uh, the referee came to read us our the rules of go over the rules and what he expects from us. And at the end of his speech, he asked myself and Daniel, do you have any questions? Which I, as the coach, the head coach, I said, yes, I do. There's only one thing I pulled the referee up on to remind him. I said, could you please make sure that our opponent, his groin guard, is finishes on the line where it's supposed to be and not, not above. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he could hear the referee. He didn't contest it. He acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And to my surprise, I'm still in shock, Spence. I'm still in shock that what we witnessed, the, it's, it's not even debatable. It's not even debatable. People are testing my intelligence, everybody's intelligence. What we're seeing, they're telling us we didn't see what, we, mm -hmm. what, what we're seeing. Yeah? In today's technology, no, come well, on. What you saw, Don, was subject, I'm in your camp. I, the moment I watched it on television, I didn't go because I wasn't feeling particularly well over the weekend. But I, my first reaction was that wasn't a low blow. I listened to Carl Frampton say exactly the same thing instantaneously as a fighter. Yeah. And then when it went to the break uh, for the rounds, it, he doubled down on the same premise. I've listened 
to Johnny Nelson say the same thing. I've listened to Joe Cortez be asked his opinion as a referee about the reality of these set of circumstances. I've seen a fight over the weekend between Jared Anderson uh, and Rodenko with the exact same shots in the exact same space being repeatedly hit. Yeah. But what seems to be at debate here is the subjectivity of the referee and his, and his approach to the circumstances. Because I saw the video where you asked him specifically or you expressed your concerns about where... Usyk puts his guard and how high that looks and, what, and that the referee was in a strange di- dynamic at the time giving you a lecture or telling you about how you should react to the uh, environment absolutely. all that seemed yeah, a bit strange yeah. I couldn't quite yeah. work out what all that yeah, was about and what he was yeah. making himself centre of attention but all of that puts you into a space where it would appear that you're we're debating the subjectivity of a refereeing decision because in one hand you've got a fight put on by top rank with a recognisable fighter in Jared Anderson right repeatedly hitting Rydenko on the exact mm-hmm. same space that Daniel hit Usyk yeah. and there's not a peep from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got an established referee in Joe Cortez that's looking at it and he's saying, he is also saying, that it was one thing seeing it on television is another thing seeing it live and the referee's perspective, with technology being available to him at some point but not at that moment in time, is that perhaps he didn't have the vision that he needed to have and what the outcome now becomes is how can we square this particular circle and how can if we are indeed all in the camp and then Carl Froch wasn't and that may well be because he has an agenda against Frank Warren and he doesn't want that Frank Warren to have a situation where he can get himself into a situation where he's got two world champions but how do we get to a point we've seen this before we've seen Mike Tyson against Buster Douglas correct. have a count correct. that was clearly wrong mm-hmm. right? Yeah. and that fight would have been won yeah. but they never overturned it so how do we move the dial from where we are now, which I think most sensible people, besides the people that don't want to see this view, think that there's something wrong here and that this is not the right outcome. Well, we and we can question about whether why Daniel didn't jump on him straight afterwards and we can talk about later yeah. on in the he's fight. Lost momen- this- he's lost the momentum. Yeah. As a fighter, he's expecting the referee to count. That's an automatic thing. Mm-hmm. The referee did no such thing. And at one point, I'm sure you saw it, where Yusef Yusek indicated that he's able to carry on. The referee said, no, take longer. It's not up to the referee to make that decision. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. It's Talk Sports. It's Sam and I, Simon Jordan. We've got Daniel Dubois. We've got Don Charles. We've got Spencer Oliver. Uh, George Fox is here as well, part of Daniel Dubois' team. Don's son and a uh, heavyweight boxer as well. We'll get to George in just a second. But Simon, you wanted to talk to Don about that moment in the fight. What happened straight after all this controversy and chaos? Yeah, I mean, I realise I'm going to put myself in the territory of someone that's never laced up a glove and put myself in the circumstances that you guys do. But I couldn't understand... The lo- I know that, that, that you've got something in front of you that's disappointing you. I know that ultimately not being able to jump on him instantaneously is a part of losing momentum. But I was surprised. I, I've got in my mind's eye that if I'm sat there watching Deontay Wilder, no disrespect, Daniel, Deontay Wilder sitting on the side of the, of the, of the apron waiting for three and a half minutes would have come flying across that ring throwing bombs. So I was surprised that Daniel didn't take advantage of a situation because however however much time he had to recover he was still a damaged fighter and you could see from the first 40 30 40 seconds directly afterwards that there was an opportunity there and part of me thinks that you're complicit in your own downfall 
uh, of not taking advantage of the opportunity. I know what you're going to say is I shouldn't have to have that opportunity to be taken advantage of it. He should have been gone. Right? You've, you've answered. Right? You've answered. But the momentum side of things, mm-hmm. because I'm expecting you to be like a raging maniac on the side, keeping him charged blocks, yeah. and keeping him charged so that he's ready to go. And I'm expecting him to come out like a man demented, knowing mm-hmm. that this is the moment. Okay, I shouldn't have to deal with this because he should be counted out. Mm-hmm. But this is my moment, and I, I was surprised not to see that. Well, you know, it's it's uh, we lost the moment, right? The fighter lost the moment. He lost the momentum. Okay, and that didn't happen. And Yusek, being a superior boxer that he is with the experience, that experience yeah. was able to negate himself out yeah. of, he took advantage of, uh, he knows how to survive with that. So we didn't jump on him like we should have. You're quite right yeah. in assuming that. That didn't happen. And like the fighter, I can only speak like, he's, Dan was the fighter. Of course. Uh, he will tell you. And it lost the moment. It lost the momentum. However you want to dress it up. Daniel, did you feel as if you'd lost the momentum in that moment? And when you look back on it, did you feel as if that was the the key point of the, the entire bout? I feel like, yeah, that was my moment. That was, I don't want to say it, but God, you know, gave me that moment and that was it. And that was my punch. Him. And, you know, it takes one punch in heavyweight boxing to change the fight. And, uh, you know, I feel like after a while I was standing there, I was, I was losing momentum. I was getting disheartened, lose, looking all around. Confusion. 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 Do, do you think that's more, more inexperienced, Daniel, of that moment than everything else? Because Alexander was using all his experience Probably. to get as long as rest as possible. But I suppose what Simon was, was asking here, though, do you feel that you should have done more immediately after that? As in, when he come out, just rolled the dice and put it... Because he, well, he, he was hurt for about 40 seconds. He was mm. uncomfortable. He was losing eye contact. He was going down. Yeah. That's when us, when we were commentating on it, looking, going... Daniel's got him here. This is the bit. Let's go. And it was like you think, why is he not going as nice? Why is he not rolling it more? Do you, you know, do you put that down to inexperience, losing that momentum? Probably inexperience, you know, coming back off a mad injury like I've had, and you know, you know, only a month before this, I was, I was just, I was just walking again, you know. But sure. so I'm, so I've got to give myself a tap on the back and say, you know, I, I went out there and With you know, I made team, it happen. A new coach, new mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Sixteen weeks. If we're able to do that in 16 weeks, can you imagine what would happen mm-hmm. if the, Yusek is the man he is? And if that was me and I was in his shoes, I'd want to clear this up and say, you know what? I'll, I'll fight you. I'll beat you properly. So it'd be no, it's it's no, interesting. No. You want justice. Frank yes. Warren says it should be declared as a no contest. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Okay, uh, uh, Frank Warren, who is Dubois' uh, boxing promoter, joins us on the line now to join in the conversation as well. Frank, good uh, afternoon to you. Thanks for coming on. Um, has the yeah, anger subsided uh, from you? And, and where are you with your appeal? And what's the, what's the current ongoing process? Well, as from the date of decision, you have 10 days to put an appeal in. At the moment, we're working on that along with a lawyer because that's the way we have to do it. And we will lodge the appeal. We've got... At, we've got a stack of evidence that we feel supports our claim. And hopefully um, we will, at the worst case, get a, a rematch from this. You said straight after the fight and when you spoke to us this week that you wanted uh, the result of the fight to be judged as a no contest. Uh, is, is that your primary objective? Look, that's that's what we're asking for because it shouldn't be a no contest. You know, you can't, you know, Daniel had to go and win that fight twice. That's what they. That's basically what happened, and it was a terrible, terrible thing that the referee, um, the, what what he did there, you know. And I like Pabon. He's 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 a he's a decent referee, but he got it 
dreadfully wrong. And he was the referee also in the Josh Joshua's second fight. If you remember, there was a bit of a thing about a low blow there. Mm-hmm. Situation. Um, but the, the rules are quite simple. You know, rule 30 of the WBA says a protector belt and cup shall be required for boxers participating in sanctioned fights. The protector shall not exceed the navel. I'm using their words here. This is not my own. Shall not exceed the navel or the superior anterior iliac spine. The trunks should go one inch over the protector. Boxers shall have the trunks and protector available at the weighing salary so that the supervisor or referee may approve or disapprove them. Before the beginning of the fight, the referee will verify that both contenders use their protectors below the navel. So that's not your shorts below the navel. That's your protector. That's underneath. Mm-hmm. So that's where it is. Most boxers wear where including Daniel, by the way, because you can't see his navel. Both boxers wear their shorts high. Lots of boxers do that for various reasons. You notice in that fight there's a couple of occasions where and where he goes back to the corner, Usyk, and when he sits in the corner they pull his shorts out to basically give him a bit of respite. That's a normal thing. As he gets up, they pull the shorts right up again. They pull his shorts right up. So they're quite high. That punch was 100% on the waistband of the shorts, which were well above his navel. He also, the referee's job is also to, before the fight, um, to give the bo- both boxers, uh, to tell the boxers this. And he didn't do that. We got film of the footage in Daniel's dressing room where Don Esther has to ask him about it and makes a point about him with his high shorts, with Usyk wearing his shorts high. Um, and that's all that ha- that's all he did. So he, he did not give the correct instructions. He obviously allowed this fight to go on. And uh, and even when he went down and he indicated as a low blow, he just gave, he arbitrarily gave him three minutes and 46 seconds to recover. That's a round, round and nearly a third to get up. Usyk said himself in an interview, I think it was yesterday, if the referee had started accounting, he would have got up. He didn't get hit in the balls. He got hit on the waistline and it was above his navel. And he made, and I don't blame him for, if a referee's giving you this this leeway. I don't blame Usyk for doing it, but the referee shouldn't have done that. It was wrong what he did. If you don't get the rematch, what next for Daniel? Well, if we don't get the rematch, then he's 25 years of age and he's got to do a couple of things. He's going to have to grit his teeth and he's there, I know, and I'm only, I'm telling him yeah. and you, what I'll tell him when I see him next week when we sit down next week. He's going to grit his teeth and get himself back in there. And he's got to grit his teeth harder because there's a lot of people out there saying things about him. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it, and certainly some of it in the past is outrageous. Yeah. And he's got to go out and show him what he's made of. Because if he wants to win a world title, which he can cape more than capable of doing, that's the only way you win it. It's about that. And, you know, we have our ups and downs in sport. What happened was 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 atrocious. On in my opinion, on on uh, on Saturday, he won that fight. He should be sitting there with the belts. That's what it's about. You shouldn't have to go and win a fight twice. You should not have to do that, especially when. How does that play out? I mean, Frank, you'll have a part to play in this because not only will you be making an appeal and being most strident in the situation, you also have Tyson Fury potentially next out of the rank to fight Usyk for the unification situation. How strong are you going to be in campaigning for the rights of Daniel Dubois over the unification fight that will be made with Tyson Fury that everyone's been screaming for? 
well, the unification fight won't take place if it does take place, but I believe it will. And that was the objective on Saturday, that the, uni the winner of the fight would be in a unification fight that would take place in February or March in 2024. So there's plenty of time for a rematch. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.